0: To this world I've said my last goodbye I want Jesus to lead me Through the cool, chilly water And walk with me to my home up in the sky In that great beyond On that great judgment day, with tender hands he'll wipe the tears from your eyes. I want Jesus to lead me through the cool, chilly waters and walk with me to my home up in the sky. when that long line forms to answer questions and i need somebody there to testify i want jesus then to be my witness when he writes my name up in the sky. In that great beyond, <clears throat> on that great judgment day, with tender hands he wipe the tears from your eyes. I want Jesus to lead me through the cool, chilly waters and walk with me to my home up in the sky. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. I'm sure all of you know the course of this. You can help me sing it. <clears throat> I search for him. Along the pathway of deep despair, all broken hearted, knelt down with care. I met the Master, I knew him there. He filled that longing down in my soul. I searched for him. And I knew not what I'd search for, I longed for him. And I knew not what I'd long for till I found Jesus, knew that I would search no more till that longing down in my soul. If you've been bruised by the chains of sin, and you are searching for peace within i know a savior who'll make you whole he'll feel that longing down in your soul i search for him and i knew not what i'd search for i long for him And I knew not what I'd long for till I found Jesus. I knew that I would search no more. He filled that longing down in my soul. I searched for him. And I knew not what I'd search for. I longed for him. And I knew not what I'd long for till I found Jesus. I knew that I would search no more. Feel that longing down in my soul. If you've been bruised by the chains of sin, and you are searching for peace within, I know a Savior who'll make you whole. He'll feel that longing Down in your soul, I searched for Him, and I knew not what I searched for. I longed for Him, and I knew not what I longed for till I found Jesus. I knew that I would search no more. He filled that longing down in my soul. Thank you, Lord. If you'll take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Samuel, 15th chapter, Be reading 16 through 19. Brother Elders was wondering why I was a thumbing through my Bible. I was wanting to preach one thing and God wanted me to preach something else. I don't know whether he ever gets in them kind of predicaments or not. You know, a preacher likes to always preach whenever he can just feel the flow of the spirit and everybody shouting and magnifying God, especially on the last night, but God picked out something else tonight, just in the last little while. Been dealing with me for about two hours on it, but We've come down to this. Reading now out of First Samuel, the 15th chapter, starting at the 16th verse. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou was little in thy own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners and the Amalekites and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. My thought's going to be tonight, to know to do good and to do it not. To them it is sin. Would you pray, Brother Elder? To know to do good and to do it not, to them it is sin. Now, if that scripture is true, which I believe it is, then it's just as bad when you don't do what you're supposed to do as it is when you get drunk. It's no degrees in sin. And there is no difference in sin. If you've done one, you've done them all. But somewhere along the span of time, we have come to an age when we believe there's just about seven or eight sins. And if we don't do them, everything else is all right. But I'm gonna show you tonight in the word of God, it ain't drinking, gambling, and smoking necessarily that makes you lose out with God. You can sit on a Pentecostal pew and come to church and go through all the act of it and still be lost and go to hell. It says for them that know to do good and do it not, to them it is sin, so then if you don't pay your tithes, you're just sinning. And if you ain't faithful to the house of the Lord, you're a sinner. And if you don't devote your time unto God that he requires of you, you're a sinner. You don't have a prayer life and know that you should, you're sinning. And if you come to church and don't get in the service and know you should be, you're sinning. Them that know to do good and to do it not to them, it is sin. And we're living in a day and age when nobody wants to call sin. And you're label when you preach against sin, but my Bible tells me that we should shun the very appearances of evil. And if we're not gonna identify sin, how are we gonna preach on sin? Now, if all you're supposed to do is read the Bible, you don't need no preacher. Some of these intellectuals, they say, well, just stay in the book now, don't get on the sin. But that ain't what God called me to do. He called me to bring you the word of God and through the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost to reach down into your heart and to stir you up that you might see what's wrong down in your heart and find a place to repent. Them that know to do good and do it not, to them it is sin. I've seen people that sat in the church for 20 years and you couldn't lay your hand on their life. They dressed right. They come to church right. But they were just gonna do so much and that is as much as they was gonna do. They're gonna get their favorite seat and you'd better not get it. That's mine. I've been sitting there 20 years in the way. If you'd get out of the way, we might have church. Now, don't tell me it don't bother you for somebody to get your seat. I'm gonna preach to man. and I'm kind of feeling around here. I know. I've done been there. Used to have me a seat and I moved to the front. Nobody wanted to sit there and it seemed like when I got there, everybody wanted it. Thought to myself, I'd come up to get my seat, be somebody sitting there. I thought, what in the world's he doing there? Now this morning, I won't get no blessing. No, I didn't. I sat over there and moped about it. come and sit on the pew, stand up when the preacher says stand up and sit down when he says sit down. But knowing in their heart that they ought to be feeling God, that when the songs begin to sing, they ought to be feeling something, and know they ought to be getting in the song and getting in the spirit and beginning to worship, but they just sit there because they're comfortable and contented. Know to do good, but to do it not, it's sin. Now, we're real quick to get on the guy down the street because he gets drunk and we can bisect and dissect the gambler and we can get all over the backsliders, but we can't see our own selves. And we're living in a day and time whenever people are dying sitting on the church pews because they're not doing what God has told them to do. And when God called you in the kingdom of God, he didn't put you in the kingdom to sit on the pew and look pretty. He put you in there to go to work. He put you in there to be busy. You're not to sit and decorate the church. You come in here to worship and you know what you should do and if you're not done it you are sinning Amen. now he didn't put you in the church and tell the one next to you is supposed to be in the prayer rooms and you don't need it now he didn't have you to come in the church and sit down and always late everybody else has got to pray Just because you live good and you dress good and you don't give nobody any problem but you know you ought to been there praying, you know you ought to been in that prayer room, I'm still talking about them that know to do good and do it not, it's sin. Oh, I can't go out and witness. I'm too timid. No, you not. you too much sinning. It said in Acts 1 and 8, he gave you the power after you have received the Holy Ghost to witness. And I'm gonna be very frankly, it's not no more my job than it is yours and not no more yours than it is mine. You just got a way of copping out because you don't want to do it because your shyness can be overcome. If you get down that altar and do what God tells you to, then the Holy Ghost can lead you and direct you and he can speak through you. How did he speak through you? If you're so timid when you got the Holy Ghost When you got the Holy Ghost, you got out of that shyness. When you got the Holy Ghost, you begin to speak in another tongue and probably done a little shouting up and probably done a little rolling around. But now since you have got in the church and you spent a little time, you don't have to do anything but just come and go to church. But my Bible said for them to know to do good and do it not to them it is sin. Now where did you ever get it in your mind and when you come in the church? Now, you're supposed to sit and visit. And I see a lot of visiting going on. You know you shouldn't be talking in church. You know you shouldn't be visiting. But them that know to do good and do it not, them it is sin. and the bathroom is the most popular place in the church. You know that you ought to be able to wait 30 minutes, You can ride down the road going to Silver Dollar City for four hours and never stop to use a bathroom, but somehow you can't sit in the house of God and listen to a preacher preach for 30 minutes. There's something wrong down in your walk. It says for them that know to do good and do it not, to them it's sin. What it is, you got you a habit that you gotta get up at a certain time. When the songs start, that's your time to the bathroom or if somebody testifies that's your time to the bathroom, I'm here to tell you, you need to be down to the altar and pray through and you won't have to go to the bathroom. If you got kidney problems, get the oil. We'll anoint you and pray for you. Amen. They don't want healed. Go to the bathroom, turn around and look in the mirror, wet their hands a little bit and dry and come back. Saturday when they got there, they didn't need to. I'm feeling something, so I'm gonna preach. You said I was gonna leave town anyway, brother. So I. Right. We've come a long ways backwards. Now everybody's got the Holy Ghost in here. That's in the church. It's as much your duty to be down in that prayer room as it is anyone else's. And it's as much your duty to be worshiping while the service is going on as it anyone else. But we have lost that, we have lost what the old timers had, and that's why we're where we are. It should be whenever you're sitting out in the audience and the preacher is preaching, you ought to be sensitive enough of the spirit that you know what's going on in the spirit and you can feel the spirit reaching for a sinner, a backslider, or whatever the need is, and never have to turn around if you're in the body, because the body all feels the same thing. But if you know that you're not doing what you should do, then you're sinning. Well, brother, how do I do that? You pray through till you get the spirit operating in your heart. If you know you're in the church and you can't pray or feel God and your mind's on something else, you know it's not right, so you need to quit that because it's sin. Now Saul here, nowhere do you ever read he defrauded anybody. Saul never stole a man's wife He never murdered a man for his wife, and I never read where he committed adultery. He didn't cuss I ever read about, or curse if you're up in the Yankee part. Arkansas, it's cuss. Anyway, it's wrong. You can't fix it anyway where it'll be right. You don't read where he done any of those vices. And the Bible says that he was the most goodly young man of all the men of Israel. And the prophet anointed him to be king and told him to go down to Amalek, but first, let me back up. When he anointed him, he told him to hearken unto the words of the Lord. Otherwise, pay attention and listen to what God has said to do and do it. And that's the problem today. You hear a lot of the word, but it's very few doers, but you need to be doing something about what you hear. When it says in the word of God to not do it, you don't need to do it. It don't matter what it is, and the little foxes is what spoils the bad and imaginations of our mind, and the world that we bring into it that pollutes our mind in the house of God, that moves out God, that he cannot even penetrate our minds, we come to church and we leave the church and have never felt the spirit of God. We have never talked to him in the spirit and we know we're not where we should be. The Bible says for them to know to do good and do it not it's sin. And if you have the Holy Ghost and come in a service and you can't feel God and you can't pray through then you are sinning because you come the house of God to worship and to praise him and you can only praise him in spirit and in truth you can talk all day long but there's one thing to worship and another thing to talk Lean just as far out of that world as we can. If you wanna see the latest fashions, go to general conference. You wanna see the latest hairdos, go to a real one of the conference meetings. It's all right. Ain't nobody paying my salary. God's got me hard. It's truth anyhow. Every time this rock junk comes out with a narrow tie and a pink pair of shoes and a purple shirt with polka dots on it and their hair stuck right straight up like somebody shot them with a Gatlin gun. We gotta spend all our time preaching to the youth, well don't dress up like them rockers out there. When you all already know it's wrong, so you're sinning, and you should not be doing it. Nobody ought not to have to tell you. You know what's right and wrong. Don't tell me you. No, you've been in the church, you've heard the word, you're just not heartening to the voice of God. You need to listen to what God has to say. He gave us the best dress you could ever be given. He gave us a modest dress, and the elite of the world dress after the standards of God, but our Pentecostals want to look like the hippies. That's exactly right, and you, ain't, you can't tell me about it, I know. I can show you, I just visited two, three weeks ago, a friend of mine here in Kansas, a wealthy millionaire. Don't even go to church, but respects me enough, he don't want nobody cussing in front of me. But he won't let his children watch TV. and his children don't wear, their hair fuzzed up like they in a cyclone. Their hair is put up, neat and modest, and most of them's got long hair. The women, not the men. And the young men have haircuts and they don't dress up in a pair of tennis shoes with the bottoms out and take their blue jeans out on the back porch and beat the dye out of them. Now they're starched, neat pair of boots on, conservative shirt, they don't buy a hat like they come out of the rodeo shoot, they'll buy one with a, that looks like a cattleman's roll on it like a man ought to have. But somehow, our Pentecostals They got to get a hat down over their ears where they look like they're flying sideways. They got to dress as tacky as they know how. But the people that's got something going for them don't dress that way. And if anybody should dress and be an example of this world, it should be the church of the living God. And if you know you should do it, and you don't do it, it's sin. Wonder why you are getting along so well with God? You wondering why you don't have no power? You wondering why you can't get in the spirit? You got some sin in your life. Uh, You know you ought to be wearing your hair different. Uh, You know you ought to be wearing your clothes different. You know what's right and wrong. Uh, Don't tell me you don't know it. A little old child can grow up in a home uh, that there's nothing but uh, cussing and drinking and lying and gambling and never taught anything, but he knows he's not supposed to steal. He knows he's not supposed to gamble. He knows it's not right to curse. What give him that? That was put inside of him. And don't tell me that when you've been born again of the water and of the Spirit that you hadn't got something inside of you that tells you what's right and wrong. I don't buy that. I get so sick of hypocritical Pentecost, haughty and proud. Some of them when they do dress, they go overboard the other way. Somehow we can't stay modest, Sister Ellers. It said modest. And I have worldly men tell me in the business world that sees Pentecostal women and says they're the most beautiful women they ever saw. And our Pentecostals wanna dress up like Jezebels. I'm not trying to build her up or anything. I think she is. But men in my business always thought my wife was pretty. She wore her hair up, she wore her dresses they never saw her in a pair of boots in her life. Never seen her go to a dance. Never went to nothing in social activities. They didn't say that in a flirty way. She may not be beautiful to y'all. She is to me, but it's her dress and her way. Even the women out there says, "Boy, D.C. Moody's wife is attractive. Simple dress." Just modest, hair done up neat. But nowadays, they gotta wear their hair strung out. A woman's hair is for the glory of God. And it should be put up for God. It's for him to be pleased with. And if you know to do it and you don't do it, it's sin. Getting quiet, but I'm I'm gonna preach in a minute. Can't help it whether you like it or don't like it. If I'm out of the book, you tell me. I'll get back in it. But old Saul, he told him just to hearken to the word of God and go down to Amalek and destroy everything down there. Don't leave part of it out, son, get it all. And when he told you to repent, he meant get it all out and don't leave part of it hanging in. Repentance is not leaving part of it there. You repent, you quit it all. And that's get it all clean. And when you genuine repent and then you're bound and you go down in the water and those sins are remitted, then you qualify for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Spirit. There's nobody getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Ghost. But we've got modern Holy Spirit. That way we don't embarrass the elite elite can go jump in the river. I'm after that little snotty-nosed boy down there as much as I am that millionaire. All right. A soul is a soul. God didn't tell me to look at who they are, where they come from, he said preach the gospel. But we got our eyes on the men that uh, is well dressed uh, and they're a banker or they're some socialite that they're more important than the little boy sitting on the pew that's brought into this world that don't have any family, that's struggling along trying to find something that he can hang on to and God wanting to deal with him and we're worried about what's going on out there. My Bible. Says Says that God answer the church daily as such should be saved. That's not our business. Our business is to preach whoever is here and let God take care of what the circumstances are. But now I'll clear myself up on the Holy Ghost because I usually get some of them pretty hot over that. Somehow they don't like to say Holy Ghost, but I love this Holy Ghost. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere. But a ghost is one of a deceased. And Jesus said, it's immediate that I must go away that the comforter might come. And when he died and went away, he sent the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Spirit, in the upper room. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It didn't say they got the Holy Spirit. And some man come down and told them how to talk in tongues. You gotta have the Holy Ghost before you can speak in tongues if the Spirit gives utterance. You don't need to be seeking the Spirit of tongues, you need to be seeking the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, then the tongues is the evidence that you have got it. It's not the Holy Ghost, it's the evidence. But the world is trying to put the horse before the cart. They're all praying for tongues. But what we need is an old genuine outpouring of the of the Holy Ghost with power and fire. We need to have the power with it. And then we speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. And then we are born. Otherwise, you just got a fooling. Know to do good and do it not. And I'm going to go a little further while I'm at it. Any preacher that will walk down and tell a baby how to talk in tongues, is a false prophet and has a spirit of the devil. And I want that to go on record. If they think I'm gonna back down from them wolves of sheep clothing, they're crazy. You let one of these uh, sinners come in, and they come in just like a baby. That's the only way they can come to God. And whenever they come out of that pew and start down to that altar, they think every one of you are angels. And they have done broke their self down till they're willing to do or say anything that you will tell them in order to receive what God has for them. And then some glory hunter trying to build him a name, I call him a abortionist, killing the babies before they get born. While the hero's running around bragging about his numbers. We're not in the numbers business. We're not saving people for a week or two. We're saving them for eternity and him come down to where they are and lean over and say, repeat after me, and that little innocent one, begin to repeat after them. He said, that's a Holy Ghost, and they go back to their seat, empty inside, dead. What'd he do? He killed them at the altar. If anybody ought to be hung, it ought to be a baby killer, and they're baby killers. Have the spirit of the devil I can get awful perturbed when that comes along. And I don't intend to back up. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how well-known they are. I don't care how eloquent they are. I don't care where they come from or who they are. I, this is my church, and I belong to it as much as anyone else. And God made me the ambassador to him, and he gave me the same spirit to preach as he did them. And he warned me in the last days there'd be false prophets and wolves in sheep clothing, and I intend to preach against it. And if you follow that garbage, you are a sinner because you know that it's wrong and them to know to do good and to do it not, it is sin. And if a man let one of them in his pulpit, he's sinning, if he knows he's not preaching the truth, I don't care who he is. They don't call me everything anyway, so it don't bother me. They've had me up stealing, they've had me drunk, they've had me smoking cigarettes. I've got to always account for what I do to these limbernecks. They ain't got enough spirit to know whether you're of God or not. Only way y'all know whether I'm God or not is by the spirit that I manifest. You don't know from one time I leave here to the next is what kind of angel I come in with. I could come in with a wrong angel and if you don't have the spirit of God, you won't know the difference. That's why it's important to have the power of the Holy Ghost to know who labors among you. People sit around and say, well, I didn't know this that way. Well, I can hear one preach the first time and tell you what he is. My spirit won't bear witness with the devil's spirit. It don't take no smart man. It's just whether you got the Holy Ghost or not. They'll down a man standing for truth. They'll murder a man that preaches against sin. But they'll let them baby killers run wild. To know to do good and do it not, it's sin. I don't care who it is. That's the Bible. I didn't say it. Now, we're living in a dangerous time, saints. If you'll you keep up with current events, you'd be scared to death if you could figure it out. This world's reeling and rocking. The only hope you've got is in Christ. Your money's about gone. Your security is fading. And the world don't know what to do. The government is all perplexed. There ain't nothing out there. The only hope you've got's in Christ so you might as well just throw it all down and come on and serve God with all your heart because it's better to be serving him in this last day than it is to be out there because they're going down the tube but you got a chance to go to heaven if you'll do what God tells you to and them to know to do good and do it not it's sin so if you're not doing all you're supposed to do you're sinning that's the reason you're where you are that's the reason you can't live for God that's the reason you have to be in the pasture Office. That's the reason you got to have counseling. That's the reason you got to have all this petting to get along. You got sin in your life. Can't understand why people with the Holy Ghost has to be counseled continually. Petted, babied. I'm talking about new converts. I'm talking about 20 year veterans. No but brother I go to a lot of churches. I was at one church having revival. This sister sat out there for two for a week. She wouldn't grunt while the service was going on. Didn't hardly sing. As soon as we got home, settled down, going to have a little fellowship. The phone rang. And sister do nothing. would you come and pray for me? He gets up and drives 15 miles, goes out there and lays his hand on her dear little head and tells her she's gonna make it and she goes off to sleep. About the second night, I told him why I wasn't no pastor. I'd stop that. How would you stop it, brother? I said, very simple. Tomorrow night when she says, would you come and pray? Say, how about meeting me and the wife at the church? We'll spend about three hours tonight and we'll get all this solved. And i said, she won't never call you anymore because her problem is she don't want to pray. All I can talk about is me, because I know me. But how come this old ignorant country boy that didn't know nothing but booze and everything the sin has to offer, that ain't no preacher had to counsel me to get this far. When I got the Holy Ghost, brother, or before I got the Holy Ghost, nowadays, you know, you get the Holy Ghost and still blow smoke in God's face. Give him a good swig of Seagram seven, pop him a pill now and then, just gotta give him a little time, that's a bunch of garbage. And don't tell me you can't repent. Don't tell me you can't quit what you're doing. If you want to, you can. It's whether you want to or not. That's your cop-out. I quit smoking, I quit drinking, I quit gambling, I quit it all on repentance. You know why I wanted the Holy Ghost more than anything in the world, and nobody didn't have to tell me in no room somewhere what I had to do, but something told me that it was wrong all of my life. I, I knew when I was cussing it was wrong. I knew it was wrong when I was a gambling. I knew it was wrong whenever I was drinking. Nobody had to tell me all of that, and I knew when I went to that altar, I had to quit all of that stuff or I wouldn't get nowhere with God. And I stayed at the altar and repented, and And when I repented, I got the Holy Ghost and I'm still living for God 20 years later. Now why can't you repent? That's because you don't want God bad enough. If you want God with all of your heart, you throw down everything you had and you'd run to that altar and beg God to the bottom of your heart, with the Holy Ghost. If you thought you were going to die tonight, they couldn't hold you away from the altar. Your cigarettes wouldn't matter. Your dope wouldn't matter. All your glasses wouldn't make any difference. You'd be crying out, God, have mercy on me. I'm still talking about them to know to do good and do it not It is sin. them that know to do good and do it not to them is sin. But old Saul, when he got down into Amalek, he gonna do it his way. I'm gonna modify it a little bit. Now I don't believe it's necessary for that repentin'. Like somebody said tonight about the television. It ain't wrong anymore, same old tube. I'll tell you something I can't understand. You know, I got a little old bitty bitty mind. Not very big, but if the world is in worse shape today than it was 20 years ago, why don't we need harder preaching today than we did then? But they're hollering, let up, we're educated. Now I'll tell you, we're lost struggling around out here trying to find our way out of this dark world, getting a hold of something. I'll tell you what this world is hungry for. It's hungry for the truth. They have saw so much phoningism they have saw so much lies, and they have been deceived so many times. What it's crying out for is somebody tell me the truth. Somebody let me know that there is a God and that he's real. I've heard every kind of thing in the world. I'm wanting somebody to tell me something and me and you have the most powerful thing in the world, but we don't want to give it to nobody. We want to keep it to ourselves. We don't want to share it with the world. While the world is dying and going to hell, we're sitting on the pew uh, bragging about how long we've been in the way. right in her own eyes. Some has to pray through, some don't. Come on. And I'm not talking tonight about everybody's shouts and all this. Some people, emotions are different than others. But I'm gonna tell you something. If you got the Holy Ghost and the Spirit moves, there at least be an eyebrow move And if you ain't got no movement at all, I'm sorry to tell you, you're dead. (laughs) And it don't take no smart man to figure that out. The Bible says we're lively stones. But old Saul, I'm gonna take the king back. Look at them beautiful flocks. I'll just kill the old bad ones and the sick ones and the lame ones. Samuel don't know what he's talking about. I'm king now. I'll do it like I think it ought to be done. He knew he shouldn't do that. And there's where his problem started. Now let me show you a little something. I'm going to wind up somewhere tonight. The minute you disobey, you have planted the root of rebellion. The minute in your heart you you disobey God when you know what you should do, the root has done started. Pick up Saul right here now. He knew what he should do, but he didn't do it. And Samuel, the Lord, spoke to him and told him what he had done. And he went to Mount Carmel, but Saul had done left Carmel the last place that you want the last person you want to see when you get disobedience in your heart, and you know you're getting caught is the preacher. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. So when Samuel got there, he done went on to Gilgal, and Samuel had to run him down. And as soon as he found him, he went to running up there telling him what all he'd done. Guilty, always tell you before you ever give you time to ask him anything. Hey, I will not talk to you. Something's wrong in your life. Oh, I won't tell you what all I've been doing. I'll tell you nothing wrong with me. I've been going to church. I my prayer lies up. Yum 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 yum. That's what old Saul was a doing. But you see, you can't do wrong and get by. Your sins will find you out the very thing he brought back told on him. Said, I've obeyed the Lord. Samuel said, what's that? Bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen. And then he began to make excuses. See, when you disobey God, you've always got an excuse of why that you didn't do right. Every one of you's got an excuse of why I done it this way. When the pastor comes and talks to you, hey, you ought not to be dressing that way. Well, let me tell you. So and so over here is doing it. Brother So and so's church is over here. And you know they're on fire for God. But where in the world did we ever come to a place we gauged our salvation by each other? If everybody's lost I'm not gonna be lost I'm gonna gauge mine by the word I'm not gonna dress A certain way because Sister Susie does Or Brother Susie I mean I know I'm not like Sister Susie I wanna clarify that today I don't want no part of that spirit around me Not dressing like them shims either. I'm gonna tell you something else while I got reminded of that. You boys that even look sissy are headed right where the adulterers is going, the liars, and all the murders. The Bible says if you look feminine, it's goodbye. So you boys just as well as to get them girly ways out of the way. Comb that hair like a man. Leave that deodorant off a wall where you can smell yourself every now and then. Say, well, I know I'm a man. <laughs> Look around at men and see what kind of shoes they wear. Make sure you got hip pockets on them britches. Don't run around them slick britches with no pockets. Them silk britches don't belong with men. That belongs in the lingerie department. But these sissy boys want that silk pants on, you know. No pockets tight as they can get them get their little dandy shoes where they can mints stand in front of the mirror <laughs> they got to where now they do it like this something going on brother i've been thinking about getting back there and setting me up a place to preach Pray a few through back there. But you may not even look feminine. Oh my. That's right. That's Sissy. Amen. I ain't going to go no further. I need to get back to Saul because I get on that homosexual spirit. I get mean. One preacher said he didn't know whether I was mad or in the spirit when I got on that. Right. I told him both. We got a lot we need to be looking out for today, polluting our churches. But old Saul, he didn't want to find Samuel. But when old Samuel found him, the uh, sheep, I mean the, the uh, oxen and them began to tell on him. And he began to make his excuses. And then he began to blame it on the people And the first thing you do if you foul up and somebody catches you and you hadn't prayed up to where you ought to be, you blame everybody else. Oh, I tell you what, I'm gonna quit going to church because of old so-and-so, that's the reason I can't serve God, ha-ha. No, it's your old spirit. They never made a hypocrite that could get my Holy Ghost. They never made a backbiter that could get my Holy Ghost. They ain't got a hypocrite big enough that I'd give the glory could rob my Holy Ghost. I'm gonna tell you something. I may not can do anything in this world as far as materialistic things is concerned. I may never make no money. But brother elders, I can serve God. And there ain't nobody can stop me from doing that. I got that down in my crawl here about three years down deep. I said, come on, big devil, and get with it, son. You can't stop me from serving God. They ain't a demon, they ain't a devil, they ain't a backbiter, they ain't a They ain't a hypocrite. They never made nobody could stop you from serving God. That is one opportunity that God made when he come to this earth and robed his self in flesh and went up to Golgotha and hung on a cross and shed his blood and gave his life. Every human being has access to the kingdom of God and they never made anything anybody that could keep you from serving God. So just throw that out the door. You can serve God if you want to. Don't blame somebody else because you don't pray. Don't blame somebody else because you don't pray through the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't blame somebody else because you can't get down and get dedicated and consecrated unto God. It's your own fault if you can't live for God. It's not somebody else's. It's yours. You have an opportunity. You have have god you have the word you have a preacher you have the holy ghost what else do you need except giving god your whole mind and heart yeah. just a so sick of that Ain't nobody gonna keep me out of the church i'll go It's like some people told me here a while back, well, Brother Moody, if you don't quit preaching like you do, you're gonna hurt your ministry. I said, no, I ain't. Number one, where you've got a problem and I hadn't, I didn't ask for this job. So I'm not on no ego trip. And I'll go where God tells me to and when he gets through with me, I'll be glad to punch cattle. I said, you're the ones worried about your little position. But I said, God will have me a place to preach as long as he wants me to preach. As long as I have the right spirit and preach against sin, he'll probably keep me pretty busy. But I don't intend to give in to you bunch of rebels. You know why? It says for them to know to do good and do it not is sin. If I know I'm supposed to preach and identify sin, I don't do it, brother. Am I a sinner? When the Spirit tells me to get out on something out there in that audience, and I quench it and I back up, and I know I should have, because I'm afraid I'm going to lose a revival, I'm afraid I'm going to get run out of town, or I'm afraid I won't be popular, then I'm a sinner. And I don't intend to sin. I intend to make it to heaven. If I can't, I've got enough problems as it is without hunting up some. Remember here a while back, went to a certain place and preached and might have told this, I don't know. Tell it again anyway. Anyway. Went to a place and preached and had all kinds of devils and everything in the world in there. I didn't know it, that's why they called me down there. That's where sometimes I think I'm nothing but a devil fighter. Got down there and had all kinds of spirits. After the first week of the revival, about on a Sunday, well, I got up to preaching. I never paid no attention to who's out there. But the pastor's wife sitting on the back seat, I got all in my message. I said, When you get on the back seat, you're on your way out. (laughs) Then I dwelled on it. I said, Yeah, I used to sit back there. And I said, When I sit on the back seat, I looked everybody over. And when they stand up and testify, I just look at them and say, Well, what in the world are they doing up there testifying? And I said, it wasn't long till it wasn't nobody in that church right but me. So one day I said to myself, man, you've a long ways. You're the only holy one in the church. You've watched everybody, got them all dissected and bisected. So I said, I'm going to have to move to the front. So I moved to the front. Now, that's the way I was preaching. There's some the people sitting on the back seat tonight. I hope they don't feel the same way, but. Making a point. You know, people will go to a worldly sport and pay $15 to get the front seat. They'll come to church and fight for the back seat. I ain't never figured it all out, but that's the way it goes. Say, I love God, but give me a back seat, as far back as they can get. Some churches, you have to get monoculars to see them. front row's up here empty. I ain't going to get on that. Somebody getting mad at me. I won't leave here in a good spirit. So I dwelled on that pretty heavy, and we went to eat dinner. I noticed she sold up, sitting in the back seat. Got about 10 miles out of town. She said, you know, Brother Moody, you and the pastor are going to get up and tell them people I'm not the problem in that church. You was a preaching at me this morning. We rode on about another mile, and I said, Pastor, how far is it back to my trailer? He said, oh, about 10 miles, why? I said, because I'm not apologizing to nobody. And I said, I've got $10, and that'll get me the next little old town, and I can call home, get enough money, get out of town. Now, I said, sister, I wasn't preaching at you, and if the word hits you, you need to get down and repent so let's take me on back to the church he said nope I ain't getting up there either so y'all know how we had our meal <laughs> awful silent. <solid. laughs> so she laid out that night and didn't bid me farewell thought well that's alpha and omega for me six months later they wanted me back and I thought man but I'll show you the rest of the story so you won't feel bad about it. God, when he's dealing on something, he'll work it out. Amen. That's what people pray to let God have his way. Now, I wasn't doing that to be smart. I was defending my position because I didn't even see her. Now, if I had to win and apologize for something that I didn't do and the word touched her, am I a sinner? I know that I was right. So I got back the next time, first thing she saw me, oh, I'm just glad to see you, Brother Moody. Started that revival, first night she sat down on me. Next night she got with me. Next night they both sat down on me. Next night they got with me. Next week it broke through. Next week we had interpretation and things got to happening, troubles got to praying through and all this. Last night of the two weeks, getting ready to eat dinner and leave, and she says, Brother Moody, you're the best preacher I ever heard in my life. I said, well, you didn't think that the first time I was here, sister. She said, no, I could have cut your head off. I said, I prayed over that. I said, what about this second time? I thought she was wrong. I said, well, what about on a Friday night? I thought you was wrong again. I prayed over it all, brother. I've got the victory. And did you know that woman was healed with cancer? And she's the biggest soul winner in that town right today. And she's the best friend that I've got. Loves me to like a brother. Don't tell me you can't stand for the truth. Don't tell me you can't stay with a word. She's grateful that I had enough backbone to preach to her. For she knew in her own heart that she is wrong. She knew good and well I wasn't picking on her. But if I had a backed up and apologized, I'd have been wrong and she'd have been wrong. And two wrongs don't make a right. We need to learn to stand for what's right, regardless of the pressure. But old Saul, he was giving in to the people and blaming them, and he claimed it was because of the people. You don't have to give in to nothing if you are right. And if you've got the right spirit, you can preach anything you want to. If God honors it, it will be all right if it's in the book where you get. in trouble is letting your flesh take over but if you are anointed of the spirit and the power of God the truth is what will set you free and the word of God is what this world needs and they need somebody to tell them how can they hear believe lest they hear how can they hear without a preacher and how can he preach lest he sin? And there's a lot of people going to be in trouble because they know what they should do and they're not doing it but have lived a good, clean life going to church regularly. Preachers and saints. When a preacher takes that pulpit and he knows what he ought to preach and God has anointed him to preach it and he looks at the crowd and backs down, he has got himself in trouble with God. God gave us a head like a flint. He called me not to be popular. He called me to suffer. He called me to sacrifice. He called me as a servant. He didn't call me to be popular. He didn't call me to go on an ego trip. He didn't call me to get up here and try to swoon you in where you think Brother Moody's got it all. He called me to bring you the bread of life. He called me to preach you the word without fear or favor to devil, human being, or any demon or anything on earth, but to bring the whole counsel of truth that you might be saved. What we need today is to put on the whole armor of God and get a hold of the horns of the altar And get our consecration and dedication made unto God and then witness in the Holy Ghost and preach in the Holy Ghost. And if it hurts, just let the ball fall where let it play where it falls. They told me I wouldn't last six months when I started preaching. Told everybody over the country, oh, he'll never make it, he's too country. Doubt whether he's ever called, ain't got no degree. Runs all over the house, his hair gets all over his head. Got no ministerial ethics. Don't stand in the pulpit. I'm going on five years and they're mad cause it's wrong. I hadn't done nothing. Just preached. Now, because it's proved is wrong, they're all mad at me. But I had an old timer to tell me, and I thank the world of him. I preached for him, old brother Badir, 80 years old. One night he told me, and he stuck with me. He said, Brother Moody, you've got a message that churches need. Don't let none of them tell you any different. God will make a way for you. You pray and you seek, seek God, and when He tells you to go, you go. And God has made me away till today. And he'll make me away as long as I have the right spirit and the right attitude. Now I'm not going to get in Brother Elder's church or no one else and pick you and beat you over the head. I'm preaching in the spirit tonight. I'm not going to pick you up and lamb blast you. I'm a bigger man than that. I can preach you the word of God i can preach you the spirit of god then i can get you in the back corner and tell you all i got to tell you i'm not going to pick you out that's brother elder's job to set in line you he's a pastor but i'm the evangelist and when i feel the spirit of god says get on homosexuals i'm going to ride them homosexuals when it says get on incest i'm going to get on incest when it says get on adultery you better hang on to your seat get on line i'm going to get on a line And tonight he told me to get on this and I wanted to get on something else but I'm going to follow the spirit. Them to know to do wrong, do right and do it not. Know them to know to do good and do it not to them it's sin. Now you look at what happened to Saul. Went on down the road of what he wanted to do, lying, blaming people, making excuses, knowing that he shouldn't have done it. Now that's where you go when you're backsliding. You start off first just disobeying God. Then you come on down blaming somebody. Then you make excuses. Then you try to convince everybody you're right. You're just on the verge of becoming a reprobate. You're on the verge of being rejected. While you're backsliding, you've got an opportunity. But Saul, when he got on down a little further, and Samuel told him rebellion was a sin of witchcraft. If you are rebellious, then you got the sin of a witch. And if you're stubborn, it's as of iniquity. But that is the last stages before you cut off. You can do anything with a sinner. You can do anything with somebody that done some sin, but you can't hardly do nothing with rebellious, stubborn person. I don't care about your children, your companion, or who it is. When they get rebellious, you can't talk to them, you can't reason with them, you can't show them nothing, They won't believe nothing? I'd hate to get in that boat and believe they're right. Whether they are or not, we'll stand on it, fight you for it. But then, when the Lord rejected Saul, he came then and tried to repent tried to get pardon, but was no space to repent. God rejected him, cut him off. Never did. We read where he lied, drank, gambled. none of those. Just didn't do what he knew he should do. David done a lot worse than he done. David had a man killed and committed adultery with his wife. But when he recognized, he knew he was wrong when he was doing it. But when he, the prophet spoke to him, he didn't do like Saul, he didn't make alibis and excuses. I've sinned. The difference in the attitude of the men. And David is a man after God's own heart and Saul went to the witch of Endor. Deceived. Said find me one with a familiar spirit. God wouldn't speak to him the more the prophet told him by Urims or by dreams or by prophets Samuel told him. God's true. with you, you cut off. Why? Because he knew to do good and didn't do it. And now he says, find me one with a familiar spirit, and at one time run all the familiar spirits out of the land. At one time stood against the witches. But now he's wanting to find him one. And he went there by night, disguised himself, covered up, and called her divine. And asked her to pray up Samuel. And when the spirit came up, said he perceived it was Samuel. Now some believes it was, I don't. God ain't gonna operate through a witch. And what do you see? He said, I see an old man with a mantle on coming up out of the ground. I see God's coming out of the ground. No, what he done, he saw what the devil wanted him to see the devil can transform himself into an angel of light. Because it says a little further on, the prophet Samuel, that spirit, said tomorrow you and your boys will be with me. Samuel, was Saul, Saul saved or was he lost? But what got him in that position? Just simply knowing to do good. And do it not. And now he's down here worshiping a witch. Deceived. And what will happen to you is you'll go down the street. And what you once stood against. You'll believe is all right. And you'll join you a movement that will preach what you want. And you'll sit and listen to that devil preach to you. Thinking it's the spirit of God and the reason you got in that shape because you knew to do good and didn't do it. I hope I've gotten my point made. So it ain't the booze and the drugs and all the alcohol and the dance floors. It's more to it than that. When you know to do good and do it not. And tonight there's some of you sitting on those pews that knows you need to hit that altar when the altar call's made. The Spirit has done talk to you and if you don't do it and you know it, then you have sinned worse than what you are. But tonight you have an opportunity that a lot of people don't have. God gave you an invitation to come in the house of God And now it's going to invite you down to pray. But you say you love him, but you don't want to talk to him. When the altar calls made, you hang on to your pew and barely get you out of it if we pull and we strain. But you know you ought to be down praying. You know you ought to come to the altar. You know you're not where you should be. Them to know to do good. And do it not. To them it is sin. So the altar's open, and you're your own judge. You know what you should do. Nobody's going to make you come down, because God wouldn't have you anyway. But you're going to come on your own anyone want to come them to know to do good and do it not it is sin
1: For a oh
0: heavenly father
1: I dear Lord God we thank you Jesus
0: let the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost move I'm tonight Lord touch each individual's heart oh heavenly Father. Oh dear Lord God Let the power of the Holy Ghost move
1: Lord For whatever you have to do to me Don't let me be lost through eternity. eternity For above all must be, be saved, saved. To return